0: Welcome to episode 256 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rigby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. If you want to support Stageworthy, consider dropping some change in the virtual tip jar. You can find a link in the show notes. Your support helps me continue to bring great conversations in Canadian theatre. If you like Stageworthy and you listen on Apple Podcasts, consider leaving a five-star rating and a comment. Your ratings and comments help new people find the show. Or even better, if you know someone that you think will like the show, tell them about it. Some of my favorite podcasts became my favorites because someone I know told me about them. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the archive of all 256 episodes at StageworthyPodcast.com. And if you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. My guest this week is Carolyn Fay. Carolyn is an actor and musician based in Toronto. So Carolyn, you describe yourself as an actress, singer, songwriter. So for you, which which one came first for you? Singing, songwriting, acting? What, what Was there one that started your journey? Dance. <laughs> Dance. Okay, so it's Dance. one that's not even listed in the way that you describe yourself now.
1: Right. Um, that was um, because that was a long time ago over... Oh my lord, 40, 40 decades ago? <laughs> I just aged myself and I'm proud of it because you know what, Carolyn? <laughs>
0: yeah. Carolyn, you and I, I think, I mean, you made a, a post today about two shows television shows and stuff that are, that nobody else I know remembers. And oh, yes. I think we may be of the same age yes. area. So.
1: Yes. So to answer your question, it all started with dance. I was a professional dancer um, in my late teens, early 20s, at a time when diversity was not in. Um, mm. Because this is a podcast, for your listeners, I am of Asian des- descent. <coughs> So there, that is established. So in those times, excuse me, in the 70s, diversity was not in, per se. Mm -hmm. So um, I was forced to wear light-colored wigs, contact lenses, because I have dark... Dark eyes, so contact lenses to lighten my eyes, Mm. and my foundation, my stage makeup was a was a lot lighter than my my natural skin. Regardless, I had a great career. I traveled Europe. Uh, I even went to the point of having my own dance school, my own dance company that toured a contemporary dance company. But too young. Too quick, too much, well, at the time, enough money to play, let's say, mm-hmm. um, I got in trouble. So from then, I went into corporate life, learned a little more about business. I, I owned and operated a human resources firm in the high-tech industry. And then 2005 came, uh, both acting and... And music came in the same year. <clears throat> 2005, I got a call from a theater company saying, we're looking for a mother figure, an Asian mother figure, and we cannot find. Mm. Your sister referred you to us because you used to do stage work. Mm. My sister was begging, please do this. please, Because <laughs> if you do this, I'm going to get the role. So for her... For her, I auditioned. I took a time off in the afternoon, went for the audition. Um, basically it was a cold read because they never send me this sent me the sides. Um, lo and behold, I get the job on the spot.
0: But did your sister get the job?
1: She got the job, but okay. she refused <laughs> it. She refused it because she what? got a yeah, she got a lucrative modeling contract. After After all that, after after all that, that, (laughs) the nerve, (laughs) the nerve, you know, my own sister abandoning me. Hmm. So I I got the job and it was Misoriented, written by Nina Aquino of today's Factory Mm Theatre and Nadine Velasin Feldman. Hmm. It was produced by Tizri Dunia Theatre in Montreal. Um, And... (laughs) go figure jumping right into theater it was a piece where I had to play three different roles three different mothers so I jumped into the frying pan and soaked it in and loved it and at the same time we're still in 2005 I'm still um you know doing recruitment and human resources in the high-tech industry, I met, I meet up with this fellow who moved from France, found him a job, blah, blah, blah. During the interview process, he says, you know what I really miss most? Playing the guitar. Um, I don't have any contacts here, and at the time, Montreal. I would really love to get back into the music. And I said, why don't we try it? Um I have a voice. I had I have operatic training when I was younger. I I understand music from my da- dancing days. Let's try it. So, 2005—that's the beginning of the end of the corporate world for me. Mm. Yeah.
0: Um, moving into the corporate—that's this is something that that I sort of did a number of years ago by going into technical support. Yes. Um, because you know, theater doesn't have a lot of security and people always need technical support. Right. Uh, So I sort of like made a transition, but I kept my hand in theater going from the creative arts into the corporate world. Did you find that uh, difficult at all? What was that, that transition like?
1: I think because I left dance, let's say bitterly, it it was, you know, all that, the challenges I faced. I think I missed it and I didn't know. I think I missed the performing arts and I really didn't know how much I missed it until opening night of Teasri Dunia's Misoriented. I remember that, that three second quiet in the house before the lights go on and were on. Um, And like I said, it was the beginning of the end for me f- in the corporate world. I mm. knew, I knew 2005, I was going to close down my company, mm. that I was going to eventually move. It was a long transition. I was impatient. I wanted to to make a living as an artist. But of course, you know, we have rents and mortgages and, and yeah. car payments yeah. or, or what have you, food to pay.
0: Mm, yes, <laughs>
1: So, but my heart was already in the theater. my heart was already in the venues. I mm. wanted it bad,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah did I mean, for the time when you were balancing the two, how difficult was that for you to to sort of juggle both the corporate world and the arts world?
1: It was difficult um, because you have the nine to five and then you have the the rehearsals, uh, five to whenever. And, Mm -hmm. um, thanks to T's Redunia, I, I was able to join the, um, equity, the, the union. So, and thanks to the fact that I was self-employed, it was my company. And I had a, I had employees. I was able to take days off to -hmm. do actual, um, 10 to six rehearsals. So I think I was, I was at the right place, the right uh, environment, the right situation to make that transfer. but it was hard Le- learning lines, memorizing lines, going into the office, doing office stuff mm-hmm. there was not there was not a lot of sleep but you know what I do it again.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it, to me that one of the things that I there are different parts of your brain that are engaged in the office work than in the the arts world many times. Yes, so it can be difficult to make that to take your brain like focus so much on things like learning lines and then transition into the corporate speak or whatever it is, or going to meetings and trying to look like you're interested in things like that. <laughs> oh yes, yes, Especially when you're like, I mean, you're doing the art thing and suddenly your soul is, is bright and lit and, and on fire and then to have to go into the office and try to pretend like you're still like, you enjoy the work as much as you do. You did. Oh. before.
1: Oh goodness. Phil, there were days when I would do, what I used to call marathon interviews, headhunting, mm. recruiting. There were days every hour on the hour, I would meet a new candidate. And I swear, if I hear I want to move because I need a new challenge, I was going to shoot myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, was,
1: I was tempted to tell him, well, you want a new challenge? Stay where you are. That's a challenge.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: because... You know, having the arts being awakened in me again, I saw the possibilities of different, Mm -hmm. whereas in the corporate world, there's not much difference. Uh, You know, a support technician will be working for company ABC under this kind of, you know, supporting this kind of software, Mm -hmm. will move to company B, supporting a different kind of software, but it'll be the same questions. Yeah. Where is that? Yeah. You know, how, how do I click here? Where do I find this function? What do I, it's the same thing, bottom line. So there's yeah. no difference.
0: No, I know that for sure. Like eventually if you're doing support, you have to find sometimes you have to shift industries entirely. And even then the questions end up being the same sometimes. Yeah. So it can be very frustrating to try to keep that alive when, you if if you would all have your hand in the arts and have that be like there is a challenge for you like bringing exactly. this thing to life and it's not just a challenge it's something that's setting your soul on fire you know right
1: exactly oh yeah
0: um did you find were you, you starting in dance and then going into theater and 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 music did did dance tempt you at all at that point, or did you, had you left that behind?
1: I had left that behind because there would have been 25 years difference. I would have aged 25, 25 years older. Um, and one thing that I remember in dance that I did not care about was the quantity of food I would take mm, <laughs> mm, mm. having stopped dance, that appetite remained so twenty five years later, I can barely touch my toes. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, um, I had to be honest, I haven't seen I think I'm still a bit bitter. I mm. haven't seen a formal dance show. Um, I've seen musical theater where there's song and dance, mm-hmm. but I have not seen a ballet. I've not seen a contemporary dance show. I think, I think I'd be too critical because of whatever's left in me that I I I I know I'll have to work on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that inner that critical eye can be very difficult, uh, especially. I I find sometimes that critical eye to me can sometimes be a little immature. It's an mm. it's an eye that was that sort of like started to 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 jump out when I was as for some people it often happens in you know first year of theater school when suddenly you have a couple of lessons and you think you know everything. Oh yeah. And you go to see a show and you're you're hypercritical on this sort of thing and eventually you have to learn how you know how little you know. There's still yes. that voice sometimes that sort of oh, jumps yes. out but you know you have to under you have to remind yourself that like there's different processes there's different things you're not always right and that can be, <laughs> that's oh. like the lesson of of the most of, if you could learn take anything out of theater school it would be that
1: exactly learn to shut up and just watch and appreciate because mm. it evolves uh, the mm-hmm. dance i was into in the 70s you know they're called the classics today dance today is is not what it was then. So I I no longer have the right to criticize. So mm. because I have something to work inside of me with regards to dance, I think that's why I do not go I don't go see shows, dance mm. shows. Yeah. No. Yeah. But it's a pill There's, to be swallowed. <laughs> yeah. There's also
0: something about, you know, things that are outside of your experience and that particular joy. Like yeah. Not everything is is necessarily for you but if you sit sit down shut up and pay attention you can get so much out of something that maybe you you wouldn't have enjoyed if you were looking at it hypercritically.
1: Exactly. And that's that's what I find I think with the cut from dance and the jump into theater because it was literally a jump I was doing a favor for my sister you know thinking I wouldn't get that role so I was thrown into this, um, and then moving into the theater world, I'm seeing and I have worked with younger directors, younger cast and crews, and that's where I, I learned to, to shut up and see see things from their point of view, because, um, you know... the. Most of the people I work with are a lot younger. I mean, they could be, at times, my grandchildren now. (laughs) So it's important for me to see, okay, this is how they see the world. Therefore, I must interpret this text, this story, as it pertains to their world. Giving a little bit of my experience into it, of course. That's mm. why they cast me, I guess.
0: Mm. I just noticed that that you were in uh, Audrey Dwyer's uh, *Calpurnia*. Yes, and I saw that. That was wonderful. You were wonderful in that.
1: I didn't say much, did I?
0: <laughs> no, but there was there's there's something to be said for. Acting with no words and, and being a presence. And and I thought that you were, you were one, you were certainly a presence. And I, I, it was very memorable seeing you on that stage.
1: It was, oh, wow. What a role that was because my real life character, me, Carolyn, if mm. she was in a situation like that, she'd be mouthing off. <laughs> But to be told by the director on the script, you have, you don't have much to say. It was, everything was bubbling inside me as Carolyn, the actor. Um, Every night was different. Um, Mm. I don't know which show you came to, but there was one night where um, my character, Pressy, was going up the stairs with a tray of champagne glasses And I did something, I I fidgeted, and the champagne glasses fell and crashed. Mm. What do I do now? Mm. I'm a maid. I will clean the house. I will make sure my fellow actors and my fellow uh, characters are going to be safe. Mm. Uh, Thank goodness for our our assistant uh, stage manager in back, Neha Ross, who just immediately put the slippers on the side because the the, the fellow actors were uh, wearing socks or bare feet um, she put the 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 dustpan and the broom and I just cleaned that stage so fast <laughs> that apparently I didn't miss a cue but Amazing. I was just blacked out cleaning yep. <laughs> cleaning cleaning saying my lines as if mm. yeah but it was um To be quiet when you know you have a lot to say, and to say it with movement, looks, and eyes. I think my dance experience helped helped me a lot there. Mm. Um, And also, in the very beginning, when I was asked if I'd be interested in playing the role— I just mentioned at the beginning of the show, I said, I'm Asian. I'll be a bit more specific for stereotype purposes. I'm a Filipino. (laughs) So there's that stereotype of the Filipino Mm -hmm. maid. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, oh, my God, here we go again. But Audrey, when I read the script, Audrey's non-words were so powerful that I said, okay, I'll be the maid. I'll be mm. the maid this time around.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting because to me that particular role, because of what Audrey was saying in that play, it made perfect sense that there would be a quote unquote stereotypical uh, Filipina maid.
1: Yes, it um, did.
0: It it was it, within the the construct of that play, of
1: course. Yes, and and it wasn't um, token. It wasn't a token role. Mm-hmm. It was key in the role, in the whole story. That maid, Pressy, was very key, very important to that family. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: mm mm-hmm. um, Just to shift gears a little bit, um, in March, when the world sort of oh. went off its axis and everything changed. Were you in the process of working on, on anything in particular at that point?
1: Oh yes. Heartache of heartaches. I was, um, we were in tech tech week, uh, second to last day. We were about to do a dress rehearsal at Tarragon for three women of Swatow. Oh no. Oh, heartache, 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 Phil. Um, you know, it, usually it's during tech week that my lines start to flow, mm-hmm. uh the words i i I start becoming the character. so we were in the zone. the three of us, um the three actors on stage and the cast and crew we were we were feeling the solidity of it all, and then lights out. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. Um, what did, I mean, what did you do?
1: <laughs> oh my God. Um, we, Tarragon Management came down and said, uh, well, the week was weird. The first time they came down was, oh, they said, okay, we will continue on with the technical, with tech week. Okay. So we continued on with techwe. Then the next day they came back down and said, okay, there is a possibility that we will shut down, but before we do, we'll let's do a video. Okay, so let's do the tech dress. And then we went out for lunch. By the time we came in, I saw my stage manager's face and I thought, this is it. It's going to be announced. We're going dark.
0: Mm.
1: And um, rightfully so. We're going dark. We went dark. That was um, February, mid-February, I believe. Mm. February 14th or 15th. Mm. Um, My husband was in Montreal. Um, I called him. I said, I'm... We're done for uh, three women of Swatow. It's been postponed to a later date. Um, come get me. <laughs> so he, uh, he picked me up in Toronto, went back to Montreal, and then the city shut down, both Montreal mm. and Toronto. So I've been mm. in Montreal ever since.
0: Mm. What's a, uh, what's a, I mean, wh- which city do you generally consider home?
1: Oh, that's hard now. That's very hard now. I pay taxes in both cities. That's how I look at things. I pay taxes in both cities. Half of my stuff is in Montreal. The other stuff in Toronto. I, I, you know what? I'm getting more and more warm and fuzzies for Toronto. Okay. I really am.
0: If it was pre-COVID, would you have given the same answer, or would it have been a much easier question to answer then?
1: It would have been pre-COVID. Um, my house is for sale. Toronto will be my official one-tax-paying town. Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And once that show set, uh, shut down and you went to Montreal, how have you been spending your
1: time? Um, I've been blessed with voiceover work cartoons audiobooks uh, commercials I've been blessed with that um, I've been reading a lot of books which is so good because when we're working in theater we don't I don't have time to read huh. other things I'm concentrated on the lines and mm-hmm. I wrote a play. Oh did you Yes I did my okay. first completed play ever um, it's called. 1 by 5 survive go fish it's a play about older women because i find that there's not enough opportunities out there for older women when i say mm-hmm. older women number wise i'm talking 45 50 years plus mm-hmm. because under that we have a lot we have there's a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. but older women of color, ideally, forty five, fifty, and and more. Mm. Um, it's I had a, I had the opportunity of having a public read, uh, hosted by Amihan Theater, which is a Filipino based uh, theater company, who community theater company who managed to gather actors from across Canada what a treat that was to hear Filipino voices saying my words mm. and and just for me to instead of the voices in my head it just clarified so many things
0: mm. it, was this your first time hearing it out loud
1: yeah that was the first time ever first it, time ever
0: that teaches you so much doesn't it as a, as a writer
1: oh my god. Um, it teaches me how I spoke, how I speak. What I, you know, I'm. I'm while I'm writing, I'm thinking. I'm writing about women, uh, about women I've met who've told me their stories. Mm. And then when I heard the voices, and I, I thought, "Wow, um, these are actual women's lives and experiences." It. I had this uh, feeling that I that I was intruding. If I could say that, I mean, these women, you know, they, they told me their stories openly, uh, with consent, and then I adapted it for the play, but hearing someone else say it made me think, Oh, I'm in their private room. Mm. That was a weird feeling.
0: Mm. Um, how long were you working on this play?
1: It didn't take long, actually, Phil. It, I think, in a matter of eight weeks, Ooh. I was done. Thus, the the read, and now the rewrites, mm. and knocking on doors uh, on theaters' doors uh, in hopes of finding some some support to bring it forward to develop it.
0: Yeah. I find like, it's, it's interesting to me when you said the rewrites after, because to me, every time I've ever heard a play that I've, 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 I've written spoken out loud, or if it's a solo play, speaking it out loud in front of somebody or people Uh you like, you learn from the audience, you learn from the actors, you learn so much from both that it follows that there has to be a rewrite. There has to be something that follows that because of, you have to put what you've learned about, about it into the play. Right. Also actors tell you so much after yes. the fact, being the ones to speak it. Yes. Like they will see things that you missed.
1: Yes. And there was quite a few and also, um, quite a few little things that I've missed that I've tweaked. And also some of the monologues that tended to ramble on and on and on. I, I cut and sliced and, and reorganized, um, and hopefully have another opportunity in a more formal setting mm. if we can, during a pandemic through yeah. zoom or something, <laughs> but more importantly, with the support of a professional organization so that mm. we can really move this forward
0: the the It's interesting about about monologues and how when you're the writer, they look. They look a certain way on the page. Yes, and you think, well, that's that's not too long. That's that's long enough. And then, as soon as they're spoken out loud, you can almost feel exactly when you've gone on too long.
1: Oh yeah, there were moments I was I was rolling my eyes. I mean, did I really write that? Good God, <laughs> this character is just rambling and rambling for nothing.
0: <laughs> did you did you generally feel good about it? Hearing it out loud though,
1: yes. Very, very good. Mm. Um, Although the age range of the actors were not the age range of the characters I wanted, that that I wrote about, I still heard enough Mm. to say, okay, on the technical basis, I have to cut this out, shorten this or lengthen that. On the technical basis, I had a lot to work on. Mm. But what I would really love eventually is to hear it from from the women of the age that I wrote for mm,
0: mm-hmm, because yeah.
1: that perspective is going to be very important because you know experiences we've had as a 30 years old 30 year old person will not be the same experience as we'll have as a 50 year old no given the same situation we will react we reacted differently when we were young yeah and we will react accordingly or 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 some other way as we get older Mm
0: -hmm. um now as as this is your first play um do you do you feel like you have more plays in you will you be adding a playwright to uh uh, actress singer songwriter will you become (laughs) actress singer songwriter playwright do you think
1: i'm still (laughs) i'm still hanging on to writer because to Mm. me After having the opportunity and and continuing to look for other opportunities to work with playwrights, I mean, come on, Um, Nina Aquino, Audrey Dwyer, um, Josie Malaya, I mean, these are playwrights. I do not see myself there. I wrote a story that Mm. happened to be a play. So I I think I'm a writer.
0: (laughs) But does it because you wrote a story, I'm going to I'm going to because oh. I, I for years had an issue. I, I could not bring myself to say that I was a writer. OK, I could not bring myself to do that. I would say I do this, I do this. And sometimes I write. I could not. I, there was some kind of block that, that wouldn't let me call myself a writer. Um, but if you wrote something
1: mm-hmm.
0: that is a play. Does uh-huh. that not then make you a
1: playwright? <laughs> You're pushing me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but I have to. I I I I can call myself a writer because I wrote songs mm. that I own that like you know, I have four albums worth of songs and I'm going to be releasing another album in December. So mm. I am comfortably I can comfortably call myself a writer. A playwright? Ay ay <laughs> oh. I know, I know. These you know, like titles,
0: titles are hard and weird and there's baggage attached.
1: Oh yes. Oh yes. I mean, the cl- Shakespeare is a playwright. Mm. Audrey Dwyer is a playwright. Eugene O'Neill is a playwright. George Bernard Shaw is a play I've, These are No, that's a big big load to carry.
0: Sure, but I bet Nina would call you a playwright.
1: Okay, you just made me freeze there.
0: <laughs> I heard it. I'm sorry, but I bet she
1: would. Uh, I'm really uncomfortable about this.
0: Film. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No,
1: I say it I lovingly, but no, yeah. I don't think I'm ready to wear it yet. I'm not ready to wear that coat.
0: No. And you know, the thing is that the thing that I find the thing that makes you freeze like that, the thing that makes you uh, uh, uncomfortable, it's uncomfortable in a way, not because you don't want it, but because you do. Yes. But you don't quite feel like you are ready. It's like uh, like a beautiful coat that you're not quite ready to put on
1: yet. It's too expensive right now. I can't mm. afford to buy that coat yet.
0: Mm.
1: Mm. Um, you know, um, I can't. I I walked into the acting world to do a favor for someone else, and then the first play I ever do, that I've ever done in Toronto, was Calpurnia by Audrey Dwyer, and for that I was rewarded Um uh, an accolade by the Toronto Theatre Critics Award. I wasn't expecting that. Um, you know, that was a very expensive coat that was given to me.
0: Mm.
1: Now, the playwright thing, I'm I'm looking at this at my my script, my words, but it's it's a play that I wrote. And I can't even see the coat hanging that's that's mm, on sale okay. or that's mm. you know it's it's not
0: <laughs> I understand now uh, conversely when when you started to call yourself an actress, yes was that a difficult coat to wear, or did you did you more easily slip that slip that one
1: on that was that was difficult, but not as difficult as this playwright coat. It was difficult, but it was a must because um. I ended up in the union. Mm. You know, Actra Equity and in French UDA. So we are called actors comedian by default. So it was um an easier switch over, mm. you know, just tug the coat, put it on, okay, because I'm I'm a union member now, fine. I'm an actor. Right, right. Let's find gigs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, In all of the things that you've been doing to keep yourself busy throughout the the pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, what has given you the most joy?
1: Oh, the sitting back, the time I have with my husband that we are together every day now. Mm. Since since theaters went dark, theaters and music venues went dark. We're together every day, and what I discovered that while we're together, the creative juices are strong. Mm. Um, whether he, we're in Toronto or Montreal, I find that because he's with me, I'm secure in creating. I'm secure in my process of creation's creation, because I tried writing plays before. I tried writing plays while I was out in Toronto, and he was somewhere else, and I couldn't. Um, you know, I tried writing songs while I'm on the road. I can't. But it's when I'm at home and he's there, I'm safe. And I'm enjoying it. I he, he created this corner for me in, in our home where I have my lights, my my studio, my sound equipment, everything. I'm I'm all set. And I know he's just on the other side of the wall. I'm creating like like a mad woman. I'm enjoying that.
0: That's such a valuable thing in a relationship. To be in a relationship with someone who feeds your creativity, I think it's a rare thing, but such a beautiful thing to have.
1: I, I feel blessed that I'm grateful. And by no means do I give him the power. You know, he, he does not allow me to create. But I know that because of him, I can create.
0: It's sort of, to me, it, you know, I think it, it, in the best relationships that, that I've had, they are relationships where you feed each other. Yes. And you, you just sometimes you don't even need to be talking about it. Something about the creative juices in the air. Yes. When you are together, just feed each other's creativity and to have you working on something and the other person is working on something and just the air gets filled with creative energy and you just create together.
1: You nailed it, Phil. You nailed it on the head. We don't talk. I mean, he read my play when the day before we were going to do the public read. So that's eight weeks of silence (laughs) but <laughs> he, he knew I was doing something. He knew I was writing a play, but he didn't know what it was about. He read it only a couple of days before. Um, I know he's creating on the other side of that wall. He's he's doing a, a couple of websites. I don't know what, but I'm, I know I'm going <laughs> to see it. Um, he's also a photographer. So sometimes I pass by him and I see a picture on his computer screens and he's Photoshopping, cleaning it up. We don't necessarily talk about our creative things. We watch a lot of Netflix at the end of the day, and that's where we say, you know, what do you want to watch tonight? Horror, yeah. funny, you know. We do the regular couple talk, but because we're together, this bubbling of creativity is happening.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing. Oh, uh, yeah.
1: It is. I wish it on everybody.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there anything the this this play aside is there anything that's coming up for you you, did, you mentioned uh, a, a a new a new uh, a new album release in december is are there other projects that are that are coming up
1: um there's that new album release in december yes it's um i'm a I'm a blues singer so this album will be the first time i I do cover songs. Mm. I rarely 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 cover songs. But this one will have a very interesting twist because um if you see on my Bandcamp page carolinfay.bandcamp.com um you'll see the albums that I have and there is a lot there is um um progression with each album that I've, I've created that I have. And it is from the standard blues rock to blues jazz. And where I want to bring my audience to is to blues, but mixed with the indigenized sounds of the Philippines. Oh, so this album that'll come out in December will be just that it's standard blues songs that a lot of people will know, but it'll be supported by the sounds of the tribes from the Philippines. Wow! Yeah, I. That's where I want to go. Um, that's where I want my sound to go. Once that is done, the next step will be to write original blues songs again, continuing on with the Filipino indigenized sounds.
0: That's amazing. We will. We'll have to. You have to share that with me when when it comes out, and I'll 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 share that with everyone too.
1: Oh, for sure. I'll let you know.
0: Awesome. Carolyn, thank you so much. This has been wonderful.
1: Thank you so much, Phil.